0: Welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I am your host Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight, the recently engaged Josh Cacho. Josh, congratulations, and welcome to the show. Thank you very
1: much. I mean, obviously, this is this, that's that's. I mean, it it is the highlight, right? <laughs> it's was, the end of the good news, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, of of the last couple of days, but you know, um, appreciate it and big thanks to Kirk who uh who who gave me the Bob Bradley halftime speech to to get this thing this thing going.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I could be of service. Um, so, yes, Josh, I, I know that um, everybody in the LAFC family wishes you to the best. Um, but we have other things to talk about tonight. LAFC lose to Tigres tonight in the CONCACAF Champions League final, 2-1 to one after taking the lead in like the 59th minute. They gave up two goals within about 10 minutes, and that was it. Um, so LAFC do not become the first club to win this iteration of the, of the CONCACAF championship, I guess I'll call it because it used to be called the champions cup or whatever when DC and, uh, and galaxy won it. Um, and they fall to the fourth Mexican side that they, that they faced, which also would have been, well, I guess they've already, no team has ever beat no MLS team. I should say has ever beat three Mexican sides. Uh, let alone four. So there's a lot of history on the line tonight, and LAFC came up short. Josh, what's what's going through your mind after this one, man? I mean, obviously it's a tough loss. Of, you know, like
1: to have gone gotten this far, and you know, you 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 want to start out by saying how you know you're proud of the of of what they did to get to this point. Obviously, it's clawing through a lot of things, and you know, like I, I have to wonder um, what kind of toll um, COVID took on on ryan rodriguez right because it just you know like i said for him to not be able be available or or just in limit in the limited minutes that we saw him again i mean maybe maybe it's just a matter of the matchup maybe it's just a matter of you know he you know his form at the moment but i mean to not have your third dp be a large part of this run you know it it says a lot in terms of this team um in terms of what they've, you know, their their resilience, but at the same time, right, in when you're coming against some of these Mexican sides that are are loaded to the gills in terms of, you know, that that level of talent, um, yeah, it's 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 tough to swallow, right, in that sense, where you you would hope that you have, you know, you you need to have the, all those guys firing on all cylinders to to be, you know, to really truly. Um, you know, I think make the most of what the roster limitations are in major league soccer.
0: Yeah. I mean, roster construction is obviously always going to handicap MLS teams. Um, even though league MX sides are, uh, they typically don't have the heavy hitters that the big MLS sides do in terms of, in terms of salary their the rest of their roster is filled out um, with more complete players. So, you know, like, roster spots I don't know 6 to 11 are going to be much more impressive in a league MX side than they will be in uh, in an MLS side but um, yeah it, it, it's frustrating I thought I was actually pretty impressed with the way the LAFC started uh, creating chance I mean the first couple minutes they looked a little bit shaky a, little bit, a bit nervy um, unable to really possess the ball and advance it forward but once they got into the rhythm of the game, they really started giving Tigres a lot of problems and um, creating not the greatest chances, but um, certainly creating chances. The press was effective. You saw, uh, you saw the opposing keeper several times miscontrol the ball while he's under while he's under pressure. Um, I, one thing that you and I have talked a lot about before, Josh, is like the weak link in soccer and how soccer is kind of a weak link sport, right? The weak link tends to stand out quite a bit. Uh, and I think that's why you and I tweet the way we do during matches where it's like, look, this is, this is what's making it fall apart right now. Um, tonight in the first half ish, I would say the weak link was Danny Musavsky. Um You see Diego Palacios put a great ball into the, into the box. And he tries, he tries to head it back down for somebody else. Whereas, you know, a, a true—that's—that's I, I, that's the wrong word. I know we all hate the true number nine <laughs> moniker, but uh, a, a more um, a more polished striker, somebody who has that type of ego, is going to put that on target and most likely score it. Um, and Bob pulled him at half. Uh, and and brought in Opoku and I thought that made a big difference for LAFC. Did you, did you see anything else uh specifically in the first half where the weak link showed up other than Musovski?
1: I mean, I think the big thing was and again and it we we tend to crush the midfield on a regular basis. Um yeah. you know on on our show. And you know and and usually Latif is at the as on the short end of that, of that criticism. But tonight I thought he was fantastic. He was phenomenal tonight in, in terms of, and to be fair to him in big games, he's generally showed up, right. Whether it's been against the galaxy, you know, or, or, um, you know, in the playoffs, whatever, maybe he's been, you know, he's been, you know, he's been ready to go. Um, unfortunately Mark Anthony can, on the other hand has, has been the one that I felt has struggled in a lot of these games in terms of, you know, he, a lot of times it's his giveaways in the midfield that have been problematic for the team. And yeah, and I think in this particular game, he was the one that I felt in terms of that midfield, you know, that midfield trio was the one that was, you know, subpar comparatively to the rest of the team um, tonight. Because when you watch... How how this game plays out, right? There's a couple times where, you know, like when you see LFC make advancements into against Egress, right? It's 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 a lot of the one touch play. It's move move, you know, pass and move, pass and move, pass and move. Finding those rondos, finding those those triangles. Um, but one thing that K does, you know, and it's a bit frustrating at times, and you know, has always been the fact that he. Generally, has to take one extra touch comparatively to everyone else in the midfield to be able to to move the ball, right? And it it would, it's a lot in that sense. Where when we see Atuesta pick up a ball in midfield, and then next thing you know, the ball's immediately out from his feet, right? It's like he has eyes in the back of his head. K is the type of passer that you know. Again, he's capable of putting a a, a nice ball through, but in order to do it he has to almost, you know, he has to see it before, you know, he's got to pick his head up, scan the field, and then make that pass, which usually gives an extra second for the defense to close down, which is why you see some of these back passes that he makes go awry at times. Yeah. Um, comparatively to, again, the way that you see some of the midfielders, I think in in previous seasons, the one that really stood out to me, and obviously because I'm a Lee Wynn stan, is again was lee in terms of his ability to kind of play that post up eight where you as that as he receives the ball from the deep line playmaker that he's making that back to back to goal turn and then advancing the ball forward you don't often see k do it with smoothness in the way that you would see from you know from lee or you know again in this game even latif right who, you know, again, when, when he for him it's usually he's just dribbling a little bit too much. And in this case with K it was a lot of, you know, again, just some of the passing, you know, some of his passing just just takes a little bit too much time on the ball you know, has to pick up and, and again and is often, you know, late to make the, the prop you know, late to make the pass that you you really want, you know, to make it to make, you know, to make things happen.
0: Yeah. Are are you familiar with the with the idea of first, second, and third line passes, Josh?
1: Uh, I'm assuming it's some kind of Johan Cruyff thing.
0: <laughs> kind of. I mean, it is like a possession. I, I honestly don't know who to attribute it to. Um, but it has to do with the type of pass that you're playing and, and how much penetration you get with that pass. So a first line pass would be, for example, from center back to center back. Um, where it's just kind of across the field. It's not going past the defense at all. It's a very safe pass. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not like it's not like you're really advancing the ball. Uh, a second line pass would be kind of like a round pressure, if you will. So if you imagine uh, from a goal kick, you pass the ball to the center back. The center back plays it across to his partner. That's a first line pass. And then that center back plays it out to the fullback Um, that's like a second line pass, right down the sideline a little bit, but not still not a whole lot of penetration with that pass. Whereas a third line pass is where you play through the pressure, um, and you start eliminating defenders, right? So this would be the ball goes to the center back and the center back is able to find the feet of one of the midfielders either behind the, 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 the striker or through the midfielder, you know, he's basically eliminating uh, um, defenders. This is something that I thought Mark Anthony Kaye used to do really well. Um, I'm kind of surprised that we didn't see more of it tonight. Maybe it's because of where he was sitting, and I'm used to seeing Antoeste play those balls, but I thought he was uh, much more likely to play the second line passes tonight, whereas Latif was picking up his head and, and slotting balls through consistently in, in the attacking in the, you know, the final third. And maybe, maybe that's by design that could, I don't know, maybe Bob asked Mark not to play those, those balls. We see when he finally does play one, he plays over the top to Rossi and he ends up getting an assist. Right. Um, But for whatever reason, he's not, I, there just really weren't very many um, any of those third line passes from, from Mac and, when you're used to seeing Atuesta uh, do that and be able to find the feet of the attackers from that deep lying role it really starts to undo a defense early um so i felt like i felt like that was missing tonight and then the other weak link in the midfield is once once Jose Cifuentes came off and Janela came on i i don't really know what happened to the midfield but i feel like there wasn't an assigned 6 anymore um if there was I couldn't tell you who it was because, and maybe this is just LAFC trying to press too much, or maybe they're trying to sit back a little bit more. And now they're, you know, now they're willing to sit two guys back in more of a double pivot type of uh, formation, just trying to see the game out. I have no idea. But when I look at what happened in those final 15, 20 minutes, um, there's just zero pressure from the midfield Janela's kind of running around aimlessly. Mac isn't holding the position that he was. And it's really only Latif that is effective at all. Um, and then on that second goal, Janela puts in just a completely half-hearted. I, I don't even know if half-hearted is is enough effort, really. Um he puts in this half-hearted challenge on Rodriguez, and Mark Anthony Kaye is nowhere to be found tracking Gignac on on the run outside the box and if you look at where K starts on that play he's not very far away and Latif is able to make up a bunch of ground and take the first runner back behind the defensive line and K is just nowhere so you see these two guys who could probably both play the six and neither of them is effective at all on that second goal yeah I mean I just I- went for a while but no, I mean, what but my I think thoughts on the midfield.
1: I think that, you know, I think I remember in, you know, in our conversation with Vince, right, we kind of asked, you know, who, what they, you know, kind of what the thoughts were as it pertains to, like, who would ultimately be that at successor and those types of things. And, you know, and obviously we, you know, we were pretty high on Janela, you know, early in the season and some of the mm-hmm. things that we saw from him. And I think the one thing that Vince did point out, right, I think ha- had to do with... His ability to be consistent on on the pressing right and right, I think that's right. something that you see comparatively to you know obviously compared to latif I'm not sure there's anyone you know who who can press like latif um you know again it it doesn't come off sometimes because you're playing against teams that aren't aren't really trying to play you know and and that's that's a whole different story but in the in this case. You know you're you're dealing with, you know, it's there's a huge drop off in in the, in the type of energy that you're getting from the midfield. You know, in in terms of what you're asking for, you know, when you don't have Atuesta in there, right? So if if I think if Atuesta is available, right at at the six, then I think you probably see, you you know, then it's maybe Latif coming in or as opposed to Janela and it's a whole different story, but again, I mean, you can, we can break it down every which way and just as, you know, and again, what the heck do we know at the end of the
0: day? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, not having out to West is clearly a, a problem tonight Um because I think what you see is you, I mean, probably Kay and Cifuentes get the start and then Latif is coming on as the sub for Cifuentes, for right? So you don't, you don't miss that presence. Part of what I think happened is Sufuentes left a massive hole in the midfield uh, in terms of his defending, his defensive abilities, and that load that that is just too that load is too much for Kay to shoulder on his own. Especially if he's partnered up with with Janella, um, those two guys are not going to be nearly as effective, and that's okay. It doesn't mean the LAFC need to sell them. Um, it just means that you need to do a better job organizing the midfield, which they certainly will. And again, they're put under unusual circumstances because Atuesta's suspended. Um, I do want to talk about some positive stuff though, Josh, because um there are there are lots of positives to draw from this. Again, from you know, sixty-five minutes, LAFC dominated, um, yet another League MX side, right? Um they score the first goal. They look good in the press, especially once Opoku came on. When Opoku came on, that first, uh, the first defender, as Johan Cruyff would say, to get our second Cruyff reference uh, of the show, um, just had so much more speed than Musavski and really, I think helped to to get the press into high gear. Um, so I think that's something that we can look forward to. Again, I don't know whether he's going to be. A striker or or a winger. I don't know that it really matters, but uh, that was promising. the The other big takeaway that I have is this back four, as it was constituted the last few matches, can be really legitimate, being Blackman, Mario, Segura, and Palacios on on the left. Um, I think. That back four, should it return next year, is going to give MLS sides a lot of problems. And not only that, but I think Blackman and Palacios are so good in the attack and in the buildup that they're going to really help LAFC get back to their that kind of possession-based style that they've that they've become known for. Um Palacios, especially down the wing, but Blackman stepping into the midfield so frequently. Um, he's a handful, he's a handful for, for teams to deal with. And the way that he worked back tonight and in the last few matches, I think Bob can trust him in that, in that position going forward. So man, I hope, I hope he returns it right back next year because these last few performances from him make me think that is what he should play for the rest of his life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he, know again, it's, in terms of the performances that he put in lately, you know it it's been you know like what we would expect from you know beta and then some right, yeah, he gives you that stability in the midfield, that calming presence all the all the wonderful things that you got from having him and Harvey at the back but then you have a little bit more in terms of his ability to get forward in terms of his ability to actually, you know, be physical and defend and do all those little things. You know, again, he's, you know, he, he, you know, he had the Kobe, you know, the non Kobe non flinch tonight, right? Like, yeah. You know, that's, right. it's those If
0: people in LA didn't believe us before tonight. Uh, just go on, just log on to twitter.com. And see all the Kobe uh, gifts when Matt Barnes tried to throw a ball at his face and make him flinch, and Kobe called his bluff, and so did Tristan Blackman tonight.
1: Yeah, and so you know, I, I, there there's a lot, there's a lot there in terms of that backline, you know. And again, we've it's largely been wrecked, and in, in you know, and from us as well in terms of of what we wish we you know like you know was was selling Walker the right move and all these all these questions that I think the team, you know, rightfully you know like the you know rightfully left um when they made that move, right? You know, I think that had everyone in Major League Soccer wondering like, oh dude, you know, is this is this really the best move for this team at this point? And, you know, so obviously they had faith in, in Blackman and I'm not sure You know his. You know as much as they saw him as that as that Sergio Ramos esque um, center back. You know I think that was the the comparison that Vince made. Right. Right. Um, because he has that athletic ability. Right. He does. He just is able to do things that a lot of defenders in this league can't do because of his athletic ability. However, in terms of him being. You know, in terms of his ability to actually defend and do some of these different things, I mean, like I, I don't see any reason for him not to continue to excel and be a potentially one of the best right backs in the league at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe once he doesn't have the legs to go uh, up and down that up and down that right flank, then you move him inside. But I don't know. It, we say it all the time. We're not the general managers. We're not the coach. But man, if I if I'm in that decision room, I am I'm keeping him there. I'm saying this is our starting right back. We'll bring in somebody. I mean, maybe that's going to be far fun. Um, uh, even though I'm I'm not a fan of left footed right backs, um, but the, Blackman's the guy. He's the guy. And then you have Mario and Segura. And I, again, I, I suppose that Palacios is going to be staying, um, and I think Farfan is probably the backup, um, because Jordan Harvey's going to have to retire someday, and El Mounir seems to be on his way out. So, but again, that that starting back four is going to be legit, and what I what I like about it is the fact that the two pieces on the right, at least, are guys that you can keep around for years to come with Mario being an older signing from, from Colombia, and Blackman being a, a domestic player. Who's a little bit older. Um, he's the kind of guy that you get on some TAM money. Um, same with Murillo or whatever the MLS equivalent of that is now. Um, and you keep them. This is, this is what the good teams uh, in MLS do. So when you look at Seattle, who's probably the most consistent team over the last, I don't know, However long, however many years, six years. Um they have a lot of this, you know, this kind of profile where you have Christian Roldan, who you and I like to lampoon when it comes to uh national team duty, but in MLS, he's he's uh an above average MLS midfielder. And that you need those guys. It's the same I've, I I'd make the same argument for K. There's a spot for him on this squad because you need domestic players that are uh, not going to cost an arm and a leg, and that doesn't mean they always play, but they're going to help you construct a, a winning roster in the league at least. And we've seen in international play that Blackman has what it takes to hang. So uh, that's where I'm. That's where I'm going with the back line. Anything else on the back line before we move on here, Josh?
1: No, I mean I think. You know, I think I think the hope was that you know, based on the price that we paid for Chiki and who we stole him from, right? That was supposed, he was supposed to go to Barca B and all right. these different things. I'm I'm not sure that he's shown enough yet to warrant a big move to Europe or any of those different things. Like you know, but he's still young, right? He probably can use another year and then you know probably ends up on you know a, a Serie side or something, you know, or maybe in going to France or something along that line. Yeah, um, is probably yeah. his trajectory. Uh, comparatively to, you know, the the top the bigger level signings in terms of like I think what City was after Cifuentes and mm-hmm. and and you know there's always been suitors for Rodriguez and Rossi. Um again like I I think you're right. In in what in the long run, right, while you want to you want to have that established selling club, right? You're never you're not gonna be able to rely on Carlos Fellas Magic for forever, Mm -hmm. right? Just like Seattle had to move on from the GOAT um, at some point. Right, right. right. At at some point you have, and same thing with the Red Bull, right, in New York. Um, At some point you're going to have to move on from those guys. And as hard as it is and as weird as it is to see those guys kind of go, it's going to happen at some point. So the question is, what's the infrastructure look like? And can, is it sustainable, right? Because you see right. what's happened to the galaxy in this version of Major League Soccer, and the way that they've gone about it is not there, right? Like it, it doesn't translate to success unless you have a world beater in Zlatan, you know, mm-hmm. who, according to Mino Raiola, his Zlatan's agent, it was a, a waste of time, a waste of his time, <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Um, well, and I mean, even even with Zlatan, they're still not. You know they made the playoffs. They won a few playoff mat. I think they won one playoff game, but they're not. They're not doing like they didn't really accomplish anything. Still, um, they they showed up against uh, against LAFC consistently, but other than that, they were just kind of bottom feeders in the in the league. So, yeah.
1: So I mean, I, I mean, and that's the thing, right? So, what what is the mark of success? And I think, like I said, after this game. Right, it's like yeah, you made a nice run. There's obvious things that need to be fixed, and I think the promise is there. The question, I think, as as we always want to know, is like, okay, what's what's what is the thing that puts us over the line, and then what sets us up for success year after year after year? You know, and I think yeah. the framework yeah. is there because I think the front office is excellent in terms of what Thornton and and Larry Friedman are doing together. You know I think those two guys, in terms of executives, it's hard to beat that um but again, are there questions about is is Bob too inflexible and you know like we've i mean if you follow the national team from before, you know like it was before it was the four four two and now it's the four three three you know like yeah, and you yeah. barely see that shift, but I think if you don't evolve and I think this was this year in specifically it was one that point that really shown some of those issues. If you don't evolve that team to that next point, what are you really going to be able to now take things to the next level? Right. Look at the the Liverpool team, you know, like we no no one can be Man City because no one in Major League Soccer can spend that way. Right. right.
0: So then know, that's question- it. I, I like, I like your point about not evolving. It, it leads to like, sorry, if you do, do you want to finish that or.
1: Yeah, I mean, my thing is, it's like, again, I mean, I'm a Liverpool homer. But when you look at it, right, the team went from being a team a team like LAFC that scored a ton of goals but also gave up a ton of goals, right? And obviously, they we were able to bring in, you know, one of the world's best defenders. But at, at the same time, I think if you look at even just the tactics, they went from a team that pressed 100% of the time to a team that pressed 60% of the time, mm-hmm. right? And it's understanding the time and the place, especially when now you're playing on the front foot, every single game. It's one thing when no one knows what to expect, and then you come at them with this counter press, and it blows up everyone's everyone's attack. But now that people are expecting that, now they're playing that ball over the top, and we weren't prepared this year throughout league play to really handle what teams wanted to do, and that you see us get beat time after time on some of these balls over the top or on set pieces. Yeah. Whereas, I think... Yeah, I mean, where's that... Set
0: pieces are what I wanted to get at because... Um, you mentioned Bob sometimes not being willing to change things, and the way that we defend corner kicks has to change. It has to because too many teams now are doing the same exact thing, which is serve up a near post ball for a peinado to the back post. Um, and you saw America score with it, you saw Tigre score with it today. Um, they nearly scored three times from the same from the same corner kick. Uh, Mark Anthony Kay is able to get a foot on it once he completely whiffs on the one that goes in, and on the other one, it's just a it's just a miscontrolled header from Tigres. But it it's so frustrating to me to see teams continually have success against LAFC because they can't handle a near post header. And you saw it with Seattle too. Seattle was, you know, we talked a lot about two phase set pieces as well. And I think this is where Seattle gutted us where they, they always float uh, Rui Diaz off the back post. He'll start at the back post and then float towards the top of the box and a ball will, will spill for him. Right. And that's how Rui Diaz was able to punish us on corners this year in the playoffs. But this is something that that Bob has to change. It doesn't mean that he has to give up zonal marking. It means that he's got they have got to redo their assignments or they have to put a person on the back post because any team with a half decent striker is just like that's all they have to do is put a, a guy on the near post and he flicks it onto the far post. And they will score what, one out of five times? I, is about the going rate in the in this tournament at least. Uh, Just supremely frustrating to see him not switch off of that uh, at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think those are those, those are those adjustments that, you know, at at some point, you know, if you, if you're not willing to adapt and make some of these changes, it's going to come back to bite you. Um, And if you're, again, I, I have to wonder what, what are you seeing? I mean, again, maybe you don't expect to get, you know, to be put at those situations as often. But for whatever reason, we seem to give them up. Not just to good teams like, you know, to Tigres in America. You also give it up to Colorado. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. It, it's one thing, you know. It's like, okay, if I'm going to get, am I going to give it up to, you know, give up a, a header to a guy like Gignac? Okay, or to Zlatan. What are you mm-hmm. going to do about it, right? out duels Walker Zimmerman, and then so be it, right? Okay, it's world-class. Yeah. But don't tell me we don't have to adjust when you're giving up that same goal, you know, to some random center back from the Rapids.
0: Right, right? absolutely. And, and we've done, absolutely. or,
1: or the Vancouver or whatever bottom feeder team that's been around and scored goals that now puts you down a goal and then now they just park the bus for the rest of the game and you lose 1-0. Right.
0: right. And, I mean, you could, you could say, um, you know, we'll live with one goal from a world-class striker. But what we're talking about here, and it sounds, it sounds catastrophic, it sounds worse than it, than it actually is, is systemic failure, right? The system is failing you. And, I mean, you know that Bob has to see it, right? He's for, uh, the, the, the classic uh phrases he's forgotten more about football than we ever knew right um so you know he sees this so is the message to the team hey you just got to do better like is the message to mark anthony k like you're not you're playing bad football or is it we have to put somebody on the back post at all times to make sure these balls don't go through because that either, it's either that's the solution or mark anthony k isn't good enough to be playing in that zone because he's missing on too many of them So which way are you going to address this by moving somebody into that zone or by putting, by adding it it, basically another zone on the back post and leaving somebody open at the top of the box, perhaps.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's
0: a, it's a systemic failure by like the classic definition of systemic, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I Lord knows I have no idea what, how to defend any kind of, Um set piece, and I think the one thing that you you know we you sound like when you talk about zonal marking is every guy that played football in the 1980s from England saying, "Oh, I can't believe you're not man marking." Well, it's because people watch the NBA and see that you can set a screen, right? Yeah, those that is a thing, and so Mm -hmm. you know, you know what what is the best solution? That I I, I again, I don't know, but what I know do know is that whatever we're doing now isn't working.
0: Right, right. I, I think you're I think you're right to bring up the 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 critique that it's a kind of a tired talking point at, at at this point in time because every time there's a zonal marking team, which is just about everybody, that's what the commentary is always is, right? Oh, I, I really don't like it. Um but there's a reason that everybody's doing it. It's about who's executing it best and how can you make your zonal marking better. Um it's just just so frustrating. Just so frustrating to see them fail again and again and again because of it. One other thing that I wanted to talk about specifically with that first goal is the way it comes about, which is this ball kind of spilled back towards Vermeer. Um, and it's right on the edge of the penalty area, so he's, he's not going to be able to use his hands. It may have been some sort of miscontrolled pass anyway, so he might not have been able to use his hands at all. But essentially, you see Palacios and Segura there. Vermeer's coming way out. I mean, he's, he's there to meet the ball. And I think it's Segura that kind of has to do this last-ditch emergency clearance over the back line because nobody called it, right? And th- that if you're the keeper, you have got to call that ball and just come in and blast it, um, you know, 40 yards down down the touch line in the air where nobody's going to get it and just live with the throwing. It's fine. We can we can regain possession, but um, again, Vermeer just making bonehead decisions on clearances. There was another one where, granted, Cape put him under a lot of pressure by choosing a terrible back pass, um, not quite as bad as the one against Cruz Azul that led to the penalty, but puts Vermeer under a lot of pressure, and Vermeer isn't able to clear it away. This is right after the LAFC goal, I think and you see LAFC really struggled to clear the ball after that because Vermeer essentially just pops it straight up in the air. Um but man that he is just so shaky. I I I I don't want to see him back next year. Um I know that he's under contract I think till 2022 so I don't think he's going anywhere but man LAFC either need to ride with Cisniega or or to sign somebody else because the keeper situation is just awful.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the one thing that we've, we've seen consistently from LAFC is that you just don't feel like anyone ever has command of, of the backline, right. In the way that you would hope your, your, your keeper or, or your, you know, center back or whatever it may be, even when Walker was there, right. I, I, you just never got that sense that like, you had a commanding presence and someone that was going to, you know, that you count on to make sure that everyone was where they should be at the right time. Um, Again, I never get that sense. In fact, more often than not, you're kind of just like holding your breath in terms of, you know, whether or not, you know, you're, you're often, you generally find yourself holding your breath, just praying that they're going, you know, that they're not going to, make a mistake or whatever it may be. And again, it's interesting to see now, you know, again, the the consequences that have to, you know, that, that ultimately come from that lack of, of, of authority in, in back there and until they have that presence. Right. I mean, like, again, you can have a, if you have a center back, they can do it. Right. Which I, I'm not sure, you know, maybe that, you know, what, what, you know, is, Either Mario um, or Segura going to be that guy. I don't know, right? It, to this point, I'm not. They don't. Neither of them strike me as the type of person, you know, the type of person that want that that's going to be a commander in the back line, right? So then you need it from your your keeper. But Vermeer hasn't really proved that he's that guy either. So then, at that point, you, you just have to wonder, like, what is it going to take to really now adjust get this team marshalled at the back right like you know like i i can't you know the you need someone like um again i it's hard to think of someone in major league soccer because the defense often you know the talent really is is often moved before it, it, you can really see it um but again the the need for it is 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 even more glaring, especially in these types of games against against teams like Liam McKee's sides.
0: Yeah, I mean, in terms of where to find it, I mean, they've shown that they can uncover talent. Um, I mean, look at what they were able to accomplish with Tyler Miller, who had some, uh, some really bad moments, sure, but um, they also had one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best, when he was between the sticks. So I don't think it's impossible. And they, I mean, they just pulled him off the scrap heap from Seattle. Um, and they had him on just a little bit of money. And then, I mean, he wanted more money and they paid all that money to Vermeer and more, uh, who has been significantly worse than, than Miller ever was. So, I mean, Miller never lost the job to cisniega <laughs> right? yeah. Uh, if you're looking for just like some sort of proof of of who Bob trusts, uh, there you go. Right, Miller was always was always there, and we didn't play these games as as at least as often as I I don't think we did. Maybe I'm misremembering that, but um, when Miller was on the team, he was he was the guy undoubtedly, unless yeah. he was injured.
1: Because well, I, mean, cause I so, think
0: you knew what you were going to get, right? I think that's the one
1: thing about Tyler Miller. Is that yeah, you- yeah. You you knew what you knew what he was gonna provide, you knew what his weaknesses are, you know, and were um, you know, and, and against in those big the issues is that, you know, in those big games against Latan, those weaknesses were, you know, very apparent. You know, but
0: again, Yeah, yeah. I mean had some just crushing games against the galaxy. But yeah. Which Aside again, from that, he was he was always pretty solid.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, that those kind of things are going to happen because you know, you're playing, a, you know, again, it's it's Latan, right? But at the end of the day, the question remains is, at, you know, like, at least you know what you were going to get. I think it's been such a crapshoot at Keeper this this past year in terms of, like, performances. You're just like, I ah, just don't know. Like, it's like, are we going to get a shocker or are we going to get a, you know, are we going to get a, a world-class performance? You just, you know, it just never, you could never really put your money on it, and I think that's that's bad, um, especially at that position, right? Like, I think the biggest thing is like, I don't, the best keeper is one that I never have to hear about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right.
1: Especially in major league soccer, you know, give me, give me the Nick Romando types. Give me the, you know, Luis Robles types, you know, those guys that, you know, again, like, are, are they spectacular? Are they Allison? Are they spectacular? Are they, do, you know, doing playing from the back? No. Right. But. You know what they're going to give you. You know they're going to. You can count on them to make good decisions in those different things. And I haven't felt that since this team was created.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, give me a guy who people that follow LAFC and the U.S. Men's National Team, for example, are going to cry about when they're left off the 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 roster with Greg burhalter right? Um, the Tim Melias, the whatever his name is Evan or Matt Turner I I don't know out in out in New England uh man uh the guy from DC Bill Hamid right all these guys that for Nick Romano's another good one um all these fan bases just continuously cry because they're not involved in the men's national team uh because they seem solid in MLS but they're just you know ultimately they're just kind of average guys right because they either can't play with their feet or whatever it is they're just these average keepers, and that's okay, because that's what you need in MLS, right? Uh, and I think LAFC would do well just to go get a guy that can play with his feet and is going to give you some decent shot-stopping ability, um, and then just don't concede so many corners, and you'll be fine, <laughs> right? Uh, just man, uh, just so frustrating to still be going through this goalkeeper nonsense. Um. After it felt like we had a pretty good answer in in Tyler Miller. But anyway, anything else that you want to get into here, Josh, or you want to get into some questions?
1: No, let's get into some questions. Like I said, at at this point, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we're going to sound like a broken record as always as it comes to some of these criticisms that we've had. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Okay, here we go. First one is from Ozzy Barajas. Um, at Ozzy three, four, three Vermeer mistake on the prior, on the play prior to the corner, hesitant to come out. Segura had to kick it to the corner, caught flat footed. K missed the clearance. Yeah. So this is what we talked about, right? Uh, Vermeer is at fault big time for, uh, for this botched play where he just doesn't communicate and he should just say, get out of my way and I'm going to clear it. Right, just claim that ball for yourself. You're the keeper. That's your job. Um, Absolutely correct. The next one is also from Ozzy. Janela too soft on his press opened up space for Tigres for the shot on goal. Yeah, I I felt like I, I. I mean, Rodriguez picks up the ball, you know, about 15 yards in front of his own penalty area, and is able to just dribble the length of the field to the opposing box. And I, if I remember correctly, Rodriguez is. They're right back. And he essentially just looks like he's a box-to-box midfielder here because he makes this run. Um, I mean, first of all, he's got time to pick up the ball, pick up his head and realize, oh, there's 65 yards of open space here, so I'm just going to dribble. Janela doesn't track him well, doesn't put in a good challenge, and then just kind of gives up on the play. Um, and then Mark anthony K doesn't track Gignac either. Um, I know that it's Mark anthony K because he's outside the box, Away from the back line, and Latif Blessing takes the runner up the middle. So there's only one midfielder left that's supposed to be on there. So all of you can tweet all of your hate at me for being too hard on Mark Anthony Kaye, but his mental lapses uh, cost you a big goal here. Um, to be fair, Janela doesn't do well with this either. Um, but also, Mark Anthony Kaye not checking his shoulders to see that. Their best player by a mile is wide open. Is a, is a big problem, Josh. Anything else on these two?
1: No, I mean, I think at the at the end of the day, like you know, we've we've set our piece as it pertains to you know how that midfield performed tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, next one is is kind of a thread here from Alistair Christie at Christie Alley. So what I'll do here, Josh, is I'll just start reading through and pause every once in a while to get your spin on it. Frustrated to lose a final, but I'm optimistic about next year. Sign Mario Blackman as our starting right back. Replace Dio properly. Sign a 26-year-old midfield enforcer. And outgoing transfers will determine so much. If both Rossi and Atuesta go, I'll be worried. Anything on this one, Josh? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the the hole that Atuesta leaves at the middle in the midfield is is huge. Um, yeah, because I don't think there's anyone that can readily replace what he does in terms of create, being a creative force um, right away. If you're gonna tell me that you're gonna play, you're gonna, you know, if Atuesta goes and if one of the wingers goes, that you're that you're gonna play a double pivot and then play a Nicolodero type in behind the front line, then it's a whole different story. But as it currently, as it's currently constructed, I. Constructed, I just don't see a guy that can create in the way that we need. That can link, that can link the 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 front and back lines in the way that you would hope. You know, because again, I think that Atuesta at this point is the one that sews it. You know, that sews it all together. And I, yeah, I'm not sure who that guy is at this at this moment.
0: I think I think what you have to do is you have to go out and you have to replace Atuesta with a DP. Because in terms of output, I think the three DPs on this team are Vela and Rossi and Atuesta. Just because we we haven't seen enough from Rodriguez in terms of consistent play, consistent scoring, consistent assists. Even though you and I both really like his game, he's just not on the field enough. And it's because, um, again, Vince disagreed with us when he was on the show, but they bought three wingers. Right. So none of them are, are completely at home in the middle. Um, so in this scenario where Rossi and Atuesta go, I'm saying you replace Atuesta with, with a DP, a DP level midfielder who can be that like, as, uh, as Alistair says here, um, I'm just going to go with that as being your real name, Alistair Christie. Uh, but I don't know, maybe not. Um, that's the 26-year-old enforcer that can also play that regista role, right? is going to have to be a DP-level signing. And I think if you do that and you keep Rodriguez and you have Vela on the opposing wing, I think, I think you have something special, uh, assuming you hit on that, uh, on that DP contract. Um, sign Mario Blackman starting right back, replace Dio properly. I think that's, I think that's all right in line. I don't know if Mahala is going to be that guy. I don't know if he's go- always going to be number nine, given his pace. I think he can be the guy that gets in behind. Um, so I maybe maybe he's the answer. I don't I don't know, but I I still would love to see another another striker brought in, so that Moose is the like the third option, right? I think somebody said I don't remember who you were, but we were talking during the match about him being the guy that you play against Cincinnati in the middle of the week, right? That's when you bring on Moose. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, Uh, Alistair continues. The better team won on the night, but both goals will give the backroom staff nightmares till preseason starts up again. Our passing was tired all night, and while he worked so hard, something has to be done about Blessing's first touch. It's maddening. This is something you and I have talked a lot about. Both you and I, Josh, seem to think that Blessing had a good game tonight, especially his one-touch passing, but he still has several balls pop up on him in the midfield, right? So you kind of mentioned Kay not being able to always control the ball, taking an extra touch in the midfield. Blessing still suffers from that a little bit too. Um, anything you want to add there?
1: No, I mean, I think that it's pretty spot on, right? And, and I think we yeah. talked about it in the past where it's like the midfield will have to upgrade one way or another for the, you know, again you have to, can, you have to ha- have someone be Christian Roldan. Right, that that level of player and the consistency, like mm-hmm. an all star level, and I think we've seen it from Mac at times, but I think he stagnated a bit. Um, and I think with Latif, I think you you already know what you're gonna get. Um, because again, I think he's switched position too many times to really, truly develop the instincts necessary to do it at a high level for, you know, to do it at the level that you need in the long run. Um, and so the question becomes you know, who's that next guy that steps up and, and takes another step the way that Atuesta did, right? Where you went from, you know, a $600,000 signing to a guy that you're going to sell for, you know, at least $5 million.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, next one from Alistair here. How was their most dangerous? Uh, actually, that's the wrong one. Proud of the hard work the guys put in, clearly missed Atuesta, unfortunately, and lost any control of midfield after we scored. And I, we, you and I kind of talked about how it seems like that was because Janela came on. And after that, the roles weren't very clear on who was doing what, who was responsible for the press, who was responsible for staying at home. Um, they clearly missed Cifuentes. We looked exhausted from about seventy minutes, uh, and that's also true. I mean, but to start that second half, they came out just pressing unbelievably hard. So that may have contributed to that as well. And then, answer the question here. How is the most dangerous attacker or most dangerous player able to pull off of our defense and hover at the edge of the box on that second ball? Not sure if it's on Latif or Mac, but that's disappointing. Um, kind of talked about this when You can go back and watch the video. Uh, Mark Anthony Kay is the closest to him at the beginning of the play. And as the play develops and Janela takes the, the ball carrier, Latif takes, again, I don't know who it was, but he takes the runner up the middle. And that's why Gignac is open, is because Mac doesn't he doesn't man mark him. So it's just he's wide open. Um and you see even after Gignac takes the the shot, Mac is just kind of like trotting back uh kind of half heartedly. So
1: Yeah, I mean there's there miles is. there's a lot of miles on him. There's a lot of you know, when you're pressing the way that they you know, that that's expected for the amount of time, and that's where I think the adjustments have to come at some point because like I said, I don't think it's sustainable and you can see the fatigue that it ultimately sets in at times. And sometimes it look like, you know, it's like a, it's like a magnet to the ball as opposed to playing in the lanes and causing problems, you know, like I said, you yeah. can see when the press isn't as effective because it looks like they're just chasing the ball around as opposed to, again, it your goal is not necessarily to close down and turn the ball over, you know, and close the ball down, you know, or, and, and, take the ball from by you know a tackle. I think mm-hmm. the goal with the press is mainly for them to force a bad pass that just now it floats in the, you know, they have to float. it. Yeah, into yeah the absolutely. And then you pick it up and go. Whereas yeah. I think at times the press looks like they're just trying, you know, it's like you're playing FIFA and you just hold down the X button. You're just smashing the X button trying to, <laughs> trying to make a tackle. Yeah. Right? That, yeah. That's what it seems like at times. And I think that's where the adjustment needs to be made to, again, to extend the life of Carlos Vela but also to extend the life of the team over the course of 90 minutes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Next one is kind of along those lines. Roman Robbins at Roman Robbins. I thought Janela's effort on that second goal was very poor, unacceptable for somebody with fresh legs. You've got to be more physical there or even take a yellow, right? Um, So again, we've talked about this, and Janela absolutely needs to be hammered for this because Roman brings up a point that we haven't really brought up. He's the sub, right? He's the guy that's supposed to come in and make the difference in the midfield. And he's not even tracking his own runner as he's on the ball. So he comes in, puts in, again, a half-hearted challenge, misses on it. Um, the, the other part of this is I don't know if Janella feels like Segura is supposed to come out and make an effort on the tackle. Like, hey, I've done my job by pushing him wide, but like now, now you've got to come in um, and, and double-team this person. Um, but I, if just man, I, I do agree. If it's me, I'm coming in. I'm just taking him out, and we'll live with the set piece for now. But just putting up a a, a completely lazy challenge like that seems completely Just like you don't want to be there. I don't. I don't know how else to explain it. He just didn't look interested. And at the same time, Segura not coming out and putting in a challenge on that ball, he didn't seem interested in it in it either. So.
1: I mean, we killed that twister for the, the exact same thing in the final in the playoff game last year against. Yeah, S- it's
0: a good. Yeah, that's a great point. So yep.
1: you know, like I said, it's not. You know, this isn't necessarily. You know, like it's it's not um, specific to Janela. You know, like I said, we've seen it from some of our best guys at times. You know, I think, like I said, mm-hmm. it. I think there's got to be some consideration ultimately to making sure the team is set up. And again, that's kind of where the Mexican teams, like you are saying from six through 11, show their depth and their strength,
0: not necessarily at the top end. Yep. All right. Next one. Donuts at Steele's it on that botch clearance that led to Tigres corner equalizer was so avoidable. If that ball rolls out for a throw instead of a corner, this game probably ends differently. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you and I talked about this. It doesn't have to be cleared over the back line. If Vermeer just comes out and says, "Hey, this is mine. Get out of my way," and yeah, once once they conceded, it was like all the oxygen went out of the room, and now Tigres are feeling themselves, and they're you know all the momentum's on their side. And LAFC just seemed like they're gonna, you know, they're gonna press and press and press for the goal, and leaves them wide open for a counterattack, like like what happened. Um, last one here in response to the, to the prompt that I sent out, which is who do you want to see more or less of next year? Uh, Pope Fracas at Pope Fracas. no Mac, less Janela, more Mario. Um, I, I'm not sure. Definitely more Murillo. I'm not on the no Mac, uh, train unless you can, you know, if you flip him for, for a profit, then yeah, let's do it. And let's, let's reload a little bit. Um, I will say less Janela for now, but you got to give him time to develop. You and I have talked about the qualities that he has and what he can become. Um, hopefully he can figure it out on the, on the defensive side and in the press, because I think once he does, he'll be a, he'll be an effective midfielder for us. But what about you on those three? No Mac, less Janela, more Murillo.
1: I'm I think what it ultimately comes down to is that obviously the the Mario one is is a no-brainer. Um but I think what you're going to end up seeing is the stalwart being um Cifuentes and then it's going to be yeah. situational with yeah. the other midfielders. Mm-hmm. Right? and I think you have to I think it's one of those things where again no one is ever happy with it, but at the same time it, there's going to be a time and a place for all of those guys to sh- to shine. And the question is, can the coaching staff convince them that that's the role that they should be willing to do? Or if the, if it's not in terms of it being like a platoon midfield, the way that, you know again, Liverpool plays a platoon platoon midfield. There's, like, there's only, you know, unless you're sticking a guy like Thiago who hasn't even been available, there's only so many guys that are going to stick in there. Um, but there's a time and a place for every single guy. And I think that's kind of what you're looking at because the firepower and the guys who are, who are first on the team sheet are not our midfielders. It's you know outside of Atuesta at this point, but definitely it's it's the front three which you're going to have to make sure are on the field. And I think mm-hmm. that it, it that that lends to that the, the our our discussion about the team needing to be more flexible and and with some of the tactical things and just understanding what what now you know, what, what are people giving us? And then at that point, how do we adjust and how do we change to match that?
0: Right. Right. All right, man. Well, that's all the questions. Um, We're coming up on an hour here, which is I think what we try and aim for when we try and do more in-depth analysis, but not the instant reactions. Um, Anything else you want to get to here? You good?
1: No, I think, like I said, obviously we're looking forward to, you know, the next season, Um, obviously this one was a little bit crazy and a little bit off in terms of what we were able to do, but, you know, like I said, any feedback, any, any criticisms, any suggestions, we're, you know, we're more than happy to take it. Um, because obviously we do this, you know, not only so that Kirk and I can just nerd out on some tactics, but at the same time, because we've, you know, we like, you know, we like and love the community that we've been able to create and, you know, just to talk about things. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's football therapy. So, you know, like I said, we'd love to hear it so that we can continue to improve and bring, bring a product that ultimately that pe- more people want to hear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. You can follow the show at Counterpress underscore me at Kirk Kinsey, Josh. LAFC Josh on Twitter. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tweeting at us. And we will talk to you all another time. Thanks.